We welcome you to the official Titans podcast. My name is Mike Keith, joined today by what I'm calling Titans Radio's draft duo. And you know them both. You know Coach Dave McGinnis, and you know Rhett Bryan. But, ladies and gentlemen, these guys are nuts. They go into this cave, and they look at all these players, and they build this draft board, and they review, and they write, and they script, and Coach Mack has notebooks, which he's flipping through right now, and you can't see because this is not a very (laughs) visual medium, but trust me. And so what I said is, I said, okay, here's what I want to do. You guys are doing all this work. Our Titans audience, our Titans radio audience loves you both. Let's share it. So we are going to work through this draft process with the two of you, and I'm really excited to do it. So thanks for being willing to talk about your deep knowledge of the 2020 draft. Well, my knowledge is not very deep. It's uh, Coach Mack that has the knowledge that's deep because he's done it for so long. But Coach Mack has been very generous to me in his time and being an open book to teach me how you build a draft room board in a war room and how you build it vertically and then horizontally and pod players when it's your selection time and checking, you know, uh, picks ahead of you and below you in trade scenarios. So I just want to learn everything I can possibly learn, and I'm going around the block for the second year now with this and want to learn more. All right, you said that about going around the block because what this is is this is a journey to Las Vegas and the draft. So teams have been on the road. They've gone to Mobile. They've gone to other places already to look at players, and now they're on the road to Indianapolis. So, Dave McGinnis, as we're on this road, as we're taking this journey, where is the combine in terms of the trip as far as an overall significant milestone? Well, it is a milestone because now you have everybody there. You have over 300 prospects here in, in Indy, you have, and, and now you, you get to look at the, the scouts. This is the scouts' life. This is their life. They've been on the road. They've been the individual scouts have seen the road scouts have seen these guys up close and in person. Now everybody as a group gets to see them, you know, as, as a group. And you get to compare apples to apples here because the, the drills are the same that, that they'll run in all of the positions. And plus, the drills have been the same, Mike. I've started, I started doing this in Indy in 1986. The drills have basically stayed the same so that you have a point of reference, you know, with 34 years, you know, to, to, to look at people. So this is, a, this is a big piece of the journey, a big part of this other than, other than the workouts. There, there's a lot, there's a psychological testing that goes into this. There, there's clearly the huge part of this is the medical test and then the interviews. And so all of this interaction, this is a big, important piece. But the biggest reason this is important, uh, you know, for us here being at Indy, everybody is here together. You know, as we're sitting here today in Indy, you can see every general manager, every head coach, every scout in the league, every assistant coach in the league, if the teams, you know, choose to bring their assistant coaches, some do, some don't, but everybody is here, it's centralized, and and so everybody has a comparison, a whole week of comparison of players in a centralized location. It's a big piece of it. It's not the only piece of it, it's a piece of it. All right, let's talk about what is going to be the overriding story of our time here in Indianapolis, and that is Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Now, I don't know what the Bengals think of Joe Burrow. 
we hear all this stuff about Joe Burrow doesn't want to play for the Bengals and, and on and on and on. We don't know what that is right now. That's two months away. But let's just talk about his potential success, failure, whatever in between here. Can Joe Burrow do something or some things this week here in Indianapolis to convince the Bengals fully that he's worthy of the number one overall selection on April 23rd. Football-wise, he's got a body of work already that, that shows what he can do football-wise. The biggest thing Joe Burrow uh, – we're talking about the Bengals now. Sure. So the biggest thing that Joe Burrow has to do, he has to be able in his sit-down meetings, all right, not only the the, the, of the 45 meetings, which you get 18 minutes apiece, but the private workouts and the pre-draft meetings with Zach Taylor, who is the head coach, Mike Brown, who's the owner, and then Duke Tobin who is in charge of all of their scouting. This is, they have to get to know the person. What he has done physically, it's, it's on tape. You can see that there is not anything he is going to be able to do physically that's going to change anybody's opinion of what he is because he's had an extended interview process this whole year on a national championship team. You've seen him on the biggest stage. You've seen him in comeback situations. You've seen him be able to, to manipulate a lot of different defensive schemes that were, were geared to stop he and that proficient passing attack that they had this year the physical things you can look at now of course if there's something hidden in a, in a physical that he will take which probably isn't there but his meetings his face-to-face with these people starting here in indy and then extending through the time until the draft that's going to be extremely extremely important i mean here's how i mean and i, I know zach taylor very well i mean i've had thanksgiving dinner with his family for years uh duke tobin had thanksgiving dinner with his his dad bill tobin you know who taught me me how to scout uh, at the Bears in 86. I know these guys. They're football guys. They grew up in football families. They're going to vet this guy very, very closely, but they are both guys that, that really, really are, are, are dialed in on the person. I know them personally, and they're dialed in on the person. That's where Joe Burrow, that's where his work's going to begin with the Cincinnati Bengals and the decision makers. Tua Tungavaloa. Let's talk Tua, staying with quarterbacks. Sure. Since he cannot work out here in Indy due to hip surgery, he says he's planning on winning the Combine Medical. What classifies a win for Tua Tungavaloa? Mike, Tua, he's already had a medical report with a CT scan on his injured hip uh, the first week of February. His injury, let's, let's get for our listeners, was a dislocated hip with a posterior wall fracture. That was what his that was what his injury was. They his people with his initial his people with his doctor says it's coming along just fine. Now what he has a chance to do is everybody will take a look at this. Everybody will see it and then all the individual teams themselves with their orthopedic people, with their trainers and their medical people, they will individually take a look and they will make a decision on that. Now, if all of these people, all 32 teams that look at it with the with the with the requisite medical people say, "You know what? That that scan that that he just had, that is exactly what we see too and that's the prognosis." To me, if you want to talk about winning the combine he has to have all 32 teams sign off on that scan not only that scan but to see if it coincides with the scans that they take in indianapolis all right so rhett bryant burrow and tungavaloa are the big quarterback stories but give me other quarterbacks here in indy with legitimate hopes to be first round picks who we watching after those two, Mike, it's down to Oregon's Justin Herbert, the six foot six passer who was the senior bowl MVP. 
and Arrow is pointing up after that performance. And then it's Utah State's Jordan Love, a 6'4 quarterback who has all the athletic measurables, but he needs to improve his pocket decision and uh, his accuracy. Uh, those couple of things are going to be things they'll be looking at this week in India, but those quarterbacks are the ones that have a legitimate chance and probably will be first-round picks after those guys. It's down to Jacob Eason of Washington, George's Jake Fromm. I look for those guys to probably be day-two guys, but the one thing Coach Mack always says, the quarterback draft is different from the regular draft. Right. right. Well, give me another name who maybe won't go in the first round, or let's say for sure won't go in the first round, who's going to be closely watched here in Indy at the Combine? James Morgan from Florida International. James Morgan from Florida International. Who is that? Man? Nice job, Red. Who is that guy? He's a 6'4", 226-pound quarterback who has a gun. He has a, a rifle for an arm and uh, apparently did very well in the East-West Shrine game, has had guys looking and working him out. Uh, already, but that isn't that's a guy right there that is a probably a, a day late day two, early day three quarterback that has some people's attention. Nate Stanley from Iowa, 6'4, 213 pounds, and then another, another, uh, somebody for our listeners, just remember this name, Steve Montez from Colorado, 6'4, 240 pounder, that, uh, can spin it all right so we got some quarterbacks. We start with quarterbacks because we always talk about quarterbacks. Coach Mack, you first and then Rhett. Give me the deepest position in this draft on offense that you've found so far. Wide receivers. Okay. This is a wide receiver draft. I mean, and there's all different types, Mike. You know, you've got the height and the outside stretch, the field guys. You've got the fast, quick slot guys. You have the combat catchers. You have the versatile inside-outside combination guys. Wide receiver, to me, is the deepest position. And you say deep. Look, there's players throughout the draft. But but where you can find quality, and, and, and it's because of what's going on in college football nowadays. You know, you've got very few teams running the wishbone anymore most teams are are five out and they're they're throwing it down the field and receivers this is a deep draft in receivers i would 100 percent agree with that because this is one of those drafts where and, and you touched on it coach mack if you want big possession receivers if you want a hybrid receiver if you want a speedy slot guy uh, from one of the top prospects, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, to Michael Pittman Jr. and Courtney Davis from Texas A&M in the middle rounds, to a Jawan Jennings from Tennessee or SMU's Jane Proche in the late rounds. They're all there, all shapes, sizes, and speeds. There's a lot of talent at the wide receiver spot. Teams found good second-round receivers in 2019. The Titans were one of them with A.J. Brown. Obviously, everybody talking about Debo Samuel playing for the 49ers. So, Rhett. Who's the Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown type dude in this draft that is going to be a more productive player than probably where he's even drafted? I, I think the guy that you you want to look at there with um, that type of receiver is going to be uh, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. What What's his deal? He is a hybrid wide receiver. He lined up everywhere at Colorado, including Wildcat quarterback. Uh, but he is a big physical dude at 6'2 and change and, and over 200 pounds. Uh, who has, he, he's got yards after catch all day long. Uh, his big physical body type is a lot like an A.J. Brown or a Debo Samuel. That is a guy who can really, really improve his stock this week. But he can move. and He's lined up everywhere, slot, inside, outside, and like I said, even under center. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. 
Brandon Ayuk uh, is number two, so all our fans can start watching tape and look at number two from Arizona State. Six foot, 201 pounds. He runs like a running back when he's got the ball in his hands. And I, I remember, you, you, this is your quote, Mike Keith, for your, your scouting guru-ness, <laughs> is that when he was here for the visit, and you interview all the players that come in for, for visits, uh, you and Amy Wells do a great job of getting them on formal interviews when they come in. But you said that when you saw A.J. Brown walk in the halls, he looked like a running back to right. you. Well, that's what Ayuk looks like physically. He, he looks like a running back, but he's got speed, and he's very, very tough after the catch. He's a hands catcher, and he can, he can maneuver off, he can maneuver, uh, off the slot. He can also uh, maneuver outside a little bit. Brandon Ayuk is my guy. And to his point, in Brandon Ayuk's career at Arizona State, 18.3 yards per catch in his career. Career? Yes. Wow. All right, does a running back go in the first 20 picks of this draft, Red Bryant? I don't think so, because you have a good year for offensive tackles. The edge rushers are always a, a grab there, and then you know, there's cornerbacks that people are trying to get, and then these wide receivers that we've been talking about, not to mention the quarterbacks that we've already covered. Between all of those things and trying to reach up and get a guy, or there's just a guy there that you cannot pass on, I don't think there's a back that is taken in the first 20 picks. In the first round, maybe. All right, who in the first round, Coach? I'm looking at DeAndre Swift. Okay, Georgia? Yeah, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, and and possibly uh, J.K. Dobbins, maybe. You know, out of Ohio State, just depends on what flavor you like in your drink. Is it going to be a second round, third round type running back draft? I mean, last year we saw some really good backs come off the board in the third round. Well, it absolutely is. I mean, there's there there are running backs, and because just of what I just mentioned earlier, because of the way offenses are set up, I mean, you're you're mostly running zone read offenses now with with single backs, so you're getting backs that get a lot of cuts and and they get a lot of chance to get their hand on the ball. Two guys. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. This is a guy, 5'8", 209 pounds, that's a junior. He's he's nifty back there. I mean, he can make you miss, and he's also got some power. He's got some power to him. And then Cam Akers out of Florida State. Florida State was awful this year. I mean, what the, the scheme was awful. I'm, I'm just being honest well, here. Well, they got a like new coach for it, yeah. Yeah, well, the scheme was awful, and the, and the people, and the people, and rightfully so, and the people and the people surrounding him were bad. But this guy, this guy's legitimate. You know, Cam Akers is a junior, 5'11", 212 pounds. Those are two names for you. I want to go back to Edwards Alaire because I, I want to ask, he was my favorite college football player last year. I As I watched LSU play, I just fell in love with this guy. As they, as they look at him at the combine, what are teams trying to break down about this guy to figure out if his game translates into the NFL? Well, I mean, you, you're going to be able to see the athletic ability. And in the, in the drills, when you're looking at running back drills, the first thing you, you want to look at, and everybody wants to see, can these guys catch? Because you see them run a lot of route trees in these drills. Can these guys catch the you know the three cone drill that they that they do for them and the cut drills are very important. This guy will excel at that. I would think his pass catch ability just consistently is what they'll want to see. Are they going to be real worried about his speed? Uh, well, they're not going to worry about his speed because here's the thing. You can be fast as a running back straight ahead, but if you can't make anybody miss at the line of scrimmage, you're never going to get anywhere right. downfield. They've got to see more of his receiving skills. He's right because he he showed some really good stuff to, uh, going through LSU, LSU's title run, and he's a tough 
a small runner. He's low center of gravity, hard to bring down. But I'll tell you, another guy that uh, Coach Mack gave you a couple names, Anthony McFarland out of Maryland, 5'9", 198, and this guy is a burner, elite speed. But he wasn't used a bunch. He was a redshirt sophomore, only has 139 carries in college. But he averages 6.7 yards per carry in that time. And they didn't use him a lot in the passing game. He can really catch it out of the backfield. Anthony McFarland is a guy, when they start doing 40 times this week, watch that name. Give me a game-changing tight end. Is there a game-changing there, tight end here in Indiana? There is not. Okay. There is not. So this, it is not that year. This this is not the draft last year. You know, last year you had T.J. Hawkinson, who went number eight. You had Noah Fant, who went number 20. Irv Smith went number 50. Drew Sample went number 52. The, the 50s and the 52s and, 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 and the mid-30s, that's where you're going to see some of these tight ends. You don't have that game-changer like those two first-rounders out of Iowa last year. You've got some guys that are capable, and again, I I refer back to what's going on in college football. A lot of these tight ends, and I've got air quotes going here, is is because of the fact that they're really big receivers that they're they're splitting out. They can catch the football, but they they lack some mass, you know, lining up in line inside. But there are some bigger guys that will be con, uh, combat catching problems downfield, and that will be matchup problems downfield. There are some of those, but elite guys, no. Anybody you like? Yes, Adam Troutman. From Dayton. From Dayton. He would the be. Flyers. He will be the first player in, uh, since 1977 drafted out of Dayton, and the, he will be drafted, and probably much higher than people realize if he has a good good week this week. Had a good week at the Senior Bowl, six five two fifty one. He is a converted quarterback out of high school. Never caught a pass in high school, only in college. So he's still learning the position. So he's raw. He's. Shows really good effort in inline blocking. Has work to do there, but he has a basketball background, and you will see that at the combine this week. Uh, and he will have a chance to be probably the only one out of this group to be a complete receiver in not only being a good pass catcher but an inline blocker. You know, who I thought you were going to say the Pickney kid from Vanderbilt. He's got potential, absolutely he does. But this kid right here, Troutman, watch that name. Is he your guy, Coach? Yes. <laughs> you know, he's he he's he's to me like Knox was last year. Just a Dawson li- Knox? Yes, sir. Just a little bit hidden out there. But when you start looking at the athletic ability and Rhett's 100% right, and that, you think Rhett and I have done any studying? Yeah, I think you've done some stuff. If you know a guy from <laughs> Dayton. I mean, they're fifth in the country in basketball right now, but they're not known no, no. for their football. But, but my point is, is he's got some requisite skills sure. that, that that you can see that that will will and I he will be a better professional player, even than he is an NCAA player. Well, but you think about a guy like Dawson Knox. I mean, what value for Buffalo to get Dawson Knox? who's going to be a guy who I think is a regular part of what they do for years. And he wasn't a high pick necessarily. And he was also a converted quarterback. Converted yeah. quarterback. And, and you know, we, we all three of us liked him. You know, when you, when you really dig and start looking, and that's what – I've done this. I, I've been fortunate enough to have done this a long, long time. And those are really – those are what you call the belly of your draft. And those are really what make your draft. All right, so let's wrap up the first part of our combine preview with this question. Give me a team here in Indianapolis whose coach and GM are going to meet the media and you are going to be most interested to hear that team's perspective because of what their storylines are entering this offseason. To me, it's the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Okay, the Miami Dolphins, they have, they have 14 picks in this draft. 
They have 14 picks. They've got three first-round picks. Ryan Fitzpatrick's still their quarterback. So you know that, that that's something that they're looking for. They rehired Chan Gailey for their offense. I mean, they want to redo their offense. Their offense was terrible last year. You know, they, they rehired uh, quarterback coach Bobby Brown. Okay, they got a new offensive line coach in there, Steve Marshall from the Jets. They were 27th last year in offense. They're trying to rework their offense. And so with this many picks, with this many picks, it's going to be very interesting to hear both from the head coach and from the general manager because their their needs, they need a quarterback, they need edge, they need offensive tackle, inside offensive lineman, running back. Those are primary needs that they have. They have 14 picks. Now, with these 14 picks, we, when Rhett and I started talking about this, they're going to get some compensatories. So within these 14 are the compensatories that are coming their way, all right, because of the, the trades and the people that they've gotten rid of. Sure. But – they, I want to hear and listen. And they're not going to tell you everything because I've been one of those coaches up there on the podium. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not it's not. I mean, they don't put sodium pentothal in you, and you're it's, you're not on trial. I mean, you don't. Maybe have, they should. You don't. You don't. That have, would be very for TV, entertaining. That would be interesting. For TV, you don't have to tell the truth, but you'll get a little bit of an idea from both of them. But because they have 14 picks in this draft, they're going to be major players. I started to answer with the Carolina Panthers because they brought in Matt Rule from Baylor, gave him a seven-year contract. Hired the entire staff from Baylor, basically. But here's who I picked, the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'll tell you why. First of all, they're moving. That is an incredibly interesting topic. The Titans have done that one a a few years ago. But it's the second year for general manager Mike Mayock, who did really well in last year's draft between Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, Max Crosby, Cleveland Furl. I mean, he he really hit on nearly all of his picks. Do they do something different and move on from Derek Carr? Would uh, be about a $7.9 million cap hit if they do that because they're now into the back end of his contract. They'll have over $50 million under the cap. They have five picks in the first 100, including two first-rounders, number 12 overall, and then the number 19 overall, which is the last pick that they got from the Bears in the Khalil Mack trade. And they have a primary need at wide receiver, and at number 12 they could take a C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma or LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. So you're looking for hints on the Raiders. Yes. All right, you know what's really interesting as we wrap up? I cannot ever remember, and Coach, you've been in the league for 34 years, and Rhett and I have been nutso NFL fans basically our whole lives. Right. Do you ever remember all of this quarterback stuff that's out there right now between Phillip Rivers and what's going on with Tom Brady and Carr and Newton and who and, and here? Yes, I mean, it's, it's all – but, I mean, it's like – half the league almost well i have never and and it's a great point you bring up mike and and you and red have been doing this for a long time there have never been this many quality still viable starting quarterbacks that have been on the open market Mm -hmm. and not only on the open market but some that will be on the open market because people are looking for somebody else so your your point is very true that those because it's not just quarterbacks that are on the market it's people's with, I mean, people recognize the names and the production of the quarterbacks that are on the market. That is the OTP Titans Radio's Draft Duo Combine Preview Part 1. Offense, defense is coming next in the next edition of the OTP. OTP.